going to read from Psalm 149 today. Psalm 149. Psalm 149 says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with the tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and and two-edged swords in their hands. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the judgment written, this honor, this is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So I finally got through it. But one of the biggest things in there is it tells us that the Lord takes pleasure in his people. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. And the imagery there is like the Lord is like dancing around us when he's he's here with us. When we're dancing, he's here with us. He's doing all these things with us. He's excited when we're excited. You get what I'm saying? So he, he takes pleasure in us. And he, he deserves our praise, and that's what we've come here to do today, to praise the Lord, to learn more about the Lord, and to learn how to live our lives for Him, for His honor and His glory. So we're going to sing some songs together. First, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Sing hallelujah. 
Good morning, everyone. I'll be reading from uh, 1 Corinthians 23 through 29 what it says about communion. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <clears throat> so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings we have. And thank you for sending your son to save all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now is the time in the service for announcements. If you, I will start with, if you haven't gotten the purple bulletin today during the 10 minute meet and greet, be sure to get one of those. It has lots of information in it. Um, sometimes you can share them with other people so they'll know how, what the church service looks like if they were to come when you invite them. Uh, Matthew 25 Ministries, we're always collecting empty pill bottle donations. It could be the bottle, it could be the lid, can be both. You can remove the label or leave it on. Um, but they use them for lots of different things, dual needs of improving medical care in developing countries and caring for our environment. Um, we also collect used in ink cartridges, so bring them in so we can recycle them, reduce the cost of any office supplies here we have for the church. If you have any questions about that, you can talk to Carol Hankins. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. Please, if you have not come, stop in and see it. 
If you want to tour after, su after Sunday service, to, if you've never seen our basement, please take time to do that. Um, it's important to know what we do here um, so we can let people know, um, as we're being a vessel for the Lord, we can invite people if they're having struggles in different areas, like food or clothes. Um, we have those items here. Refit free dance fitness class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.30. Empty Nesters, um, continuing their Women of the Bible study on Thursdays at 10 a.m. at Ruth Liming's home. The book that was purchased the beginning of the year is for the entire year study. So um, we look forward to doing that each week. Goshen Community Garden planning meeting is going to be tomorrow, uh, March 20th at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. If you have any questions, um, you can ask myself um, or please come to the meeting. We are looking to plug people in, gain some knowledge as to what you guys know and can help because I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm happy to get it started and keep it going. So um, hopefully we'll see you tomorrow. Mellon, Mellon Ridge Ministry uh, next Sunday, March 26th at 2 p.m., bringing worship to the residents of Mellon Ridge. Uh, lunch is provided after service. If you're interested in going and seeing what we do, um, sign up at the welcome table. Good Friday service, April 7th, um, obviously that's a Friday, 7 p.m., um, Josh Campbell's going to be speaking, we will have music, we will have communion, we're going to be doing communion a little differently than the prepackaged um, items that we have today, so uh, please plan to attend. Goshen Community Easter Egg Hunt, April 8th, this is Saturday at 11 a.m., Heartland is collecting 5,000 eggs. Uh, filled with candy stickers, small toys. You can bring those things in empty. We can stuff them. You can stuff them. Currently, we have about 900 eggs so far, so got a little ways to go, but um, if you're interested in helping, that is great. If you're not, that's okay, too. Um, there is a sign-up at the welcome desk for anyone who would like to help that day. Sarah Simpson is leading that um, outreach this time, so if you have any questions, you can talk to her. Breakfast Fellowship is the first Sunday of the month, 9.30 a.m. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Four ways to give in person. Uh, there's an offering box in the back. There's an online option. There's a texting option and in the Faith Life app. So we're uh, going to jump into the Word now, right? Let's turn together in our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to read chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 25 through 35. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. It's on the screen. I think it was at least. No, it's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. When you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is, Don't Worry. Don't Worry. In Matthew 6, 25 to 34, Jesus says this to His disciples. He says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spend thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. 
If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You may be seated. How many of us have ever been worried about anything? <laughs> you know, we, so we laugh about this, right? We've all been worried. So Jesus does something in today's passage that uh, we all need to hear, right? He's t- teaching us something we all need to hear. Worry is not God's will for our lives. He doesn't want us to worry about anything. So today, Jesus is going to give us three commands, and by obeying these three commands, we're going to see how we can obey His command, don't worry. That's what we'll talk about today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for showing us, through Your Word, the way we should live to please You. Help us hear, accept, and live out the truth through Your grace. It's in Your name we pray. Amen. So the first command Jesus gives here is, don't worry about your needs. In Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. So we all need food. We all need water, something to drink. We all need clothes and some form of shelter to cover us. And our Heavenly Father knows that we need those things. But Jesus tells us we should not worry about having those needs met. And Jesus goes on at the end of Matthew 6, 25 to ask, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is telling us there's more to life than our physical needs. There's something much more important that needs our attention. And Jesus tells us what that is in this passage. But first, Jesus gives us two illustrations to show us We don't need to worry about our physical needs because we can count on our God and Father to supply our needs. So in verse 26, Jesus encourages us to consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus tells us to consider carefully or to study closely the birds of the sky. And when you look at the birds, you'll notice that they don't sow or reap any crops. They don't plant or harvest, and they don't store crops in barns. But the birds have all the food they need. And how is this possible? Well, because our Heavenly Father feeds them. And notice the question Jesus asked at the end of Matthew 6, 26. Aren't you worth more than they Aren't we who are God's children, aren't we much more valuable to our Heavenly Father than His pet parakeets? Of course we are. So if our Father faithfully feeds His pets, won't He also faithfully feed His children too? Well, of course He will. So don't worry about food. Jesus goes on in Matthew 6, 28 to give us another illustration to show us our Father's faithfulness to fulfill our need for clothes or for covering. Jesus asked, and why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. So what Jesus is saying here is flowers don't do anything to make clothes for themselves. 
They don't labor at the loom. They don't skillfully spin thread into cloth. But as Jesus says in Matthew 6, 29, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. Now, if you read the scriptures, you know who King Solomon is? That King Solomon was the richest man on earth. And he had the finest clothes that money could buy brought to him from all over the world. But Jesus says, not even Solomon in all his splendor was as fashionable as the flowers of the field, which are clothed by our faithful Father in heaven. Jesus tells us what this means for us in Matthew 6.30. He says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So do you think our Father in heaven cares more about clothing the grass than he does about clothing his children? Of course not. So if God clothes the grass with more splendor than King Solomon, how much more will he clothe us who are his dearly loved children? See, God takes better care of in clothing his children than he does in clothing his garden. So don't worry about clothing. With these two illustrations, Jesus teaches us we can learn a lot about how much our Heavenly Father cares for us by studying how He cares for the rest of creation. So if you ever doubt God's ability or willingness to provide for your needs, just look at what God does for the rest of creation. Year in and year out, week in and week out, day in and day out, our gracious and glorious God and Father provides for the needs of all creation. As King David reminds us in Psalm 145, 15, all eyes look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Our Father is not some distant God who has no interaction with His creation. Our Father is personally involved in the care of all that He's created. As Jesus says in Matthew 10, 29 and 31, Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So What Jesus is telling us here is from the smallest insect to his children who are created in God's image, our all-powerful, all-seeing, always-present provider is at work in the details of his creation, supplying all our needs. So let's not be like those who are of little faith. Let's allow the truths we're taught by God's creation and by the Lord Jesus, let's allow those truths to make us a people of strong faith. So when we faithfully serve our Father in heaven, our Father faithfully makes sure that we never lack anything that we need. So don't worry about your needs. Now, this is a good place to point out the list of needs Jesus gives us is not very big. Jesus says our Heavenly Father will supply our need for food, drink, and clothing or covering. And this includes some form of shelter. I think it was Paul that said, uh, having food and clothing, we will be content with these. So the list of needs is not as big as maybe we would like it to be. But our, our Father does promise to give His children everything that we need. God promises to provide for all the physical needs of his children. So our physical needs, right, they're really important, really important. But for followers of Jesus, our physical needs need to take a back seat to other needs that we have. As Jesus says in Matthew 6, 32, 
For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So in the context here, Gentiles are people who don't know the true and living God. These are people who are concerned about only this life. They have no concern about the next life. Many times they don't believe that there is a next life. They think that this is all there is. So their only concerns are for their needs being met in this life. As Paul says, their God is their stomach. Their mind is on earthly things. So they're completely consumed with fulfilling their physical needs. Their number one focus is to eagerly seek what they can eat, what they can drink, what they can put on, houses, clothes, cars, all these different things. But that's not the kind of life that Jesus wants for his disciples. Jesus assures us our Heavenly Father knows we need certain things to live on this earth. But Jesus also says, as important as those things are, eagerly, eagerly seeking the things that sustain us physically should not be our focus. Our priorities and focus must not be on earthly things. Instead, our focus must be on heavenly things. And that brings us to the second command Jesus gives us today about uh, not worrying. First, don't worry about your needs. Second, do seek God's kingdom first. So Matthew 6, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. So in contrast to those who don't know God and who worry and about and eagerly seek only the things that will sustain them in this life, Jesus commands us to seek the things that will, that will prepare us for the next life. We're to seek first the kingdom of God, and we're to seek his righteousness. And when we do that, God not only will prepare us for this life, but he'll also prepare us for the life and the kingdom to come. So we got to focus on seeking God's kingdom and righteousness first. But what does Jesus mean when he says this? What does he mean when he tells us to seek God's kingdom first? Does he mean, if I seek God's kingdom first, then I can do whatever I want to do? Is Jesus telling us to treat God's kingdom like many people treat exercise? And we exercise first so we can then eat that piece of pie or batch of brownies that's calling our name from the kitchen. Or the ice cream. Does Jesus mean if I go to church first on Sunday morning, then I can spend the rest of the day or the rest of the week doing whatever I want to do? I checked off the church box, got that out of the way. Now let me get on with doing what I really want to do. Is that what Jesus is talking about? That's not at all what Jesus means. Seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first means we seek God's kingdom and seek to live a righteous life above all else. It means our concern for God's kingdom and living right by God's standards must be our number one priority. In other words, our spiritual lives should take priority over everything else, even our physical needs. So Jesus says, don't worry about your physical needs. Do seek God's kingdom first by living a righteous life. And when we do that, our Father will also provide for our physical needs. But how do we do that? How do we seek first, or sorry, how do we live right by God's standards? Well, back in Matthew 5, 20, Jesus tells us, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus says if we want to enter the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, then our righteousness 
must surpass the righteousness of the religious leaders in the times of Jesus. Now, for many years, we've been led to believe that the religious leaders were these really righteous people, these guys who carefully kept all of God's commandments, and nobody could be righteous, as righteous as they were. So what Jesus is really saying here is, you can't do anything like they're, they're, they're doing. You, um, nobody can be as righteous as they are, and you guys certainly can't be that righteous. So we read the Sermon on the Mount as if Jesus is giving us an unattainable standard. But that's not at all what Jesus is talking about. Because when you study this out, you find out that the religious leaders were not righteous at all. See, they were very concerned with keeping their own traditions and outward things that they had come up with, but they were not concerned with keeping the commands of God. They set aside God's commands to keep their own traditions. And so in Matthew 5, 19, Jesus tells us how our righteousness surpasses their righteousness. He says, therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. See, our righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees when we actually obey the commands of God by obeying the commands of King Jesus. See, that's the righteousness that gets us into the kingdom of heaven. That's the righteousness Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, So to seek the righteousness of God is to seek above all else to live righteous lives by obeying the commands of Jesus. See, that's how we seek the kingdom of God. We got to put obeying God's commandments above all other pursuits. So we're not to focus on getting things that are necessary to live on earth. Our main focus must be on living out the commandments of Christ so that we are prepared for the kingdom to come, so that we're prepared for the next life. And Jesus promises if we'll do that, then God will supply all of our physical needs on this earth. So we just don't need to worry about it. Now, in America, most of us don't really worry about food, drink, clothing, and shelter. These are needs that we normally just, we just don't have. But instead, we worry about so many other things. So many things that draw our attention away from seeking God's kingdom. So many things that draw us away from righteousness, righteous living as our number one priority. For example, how many of us say we don't have time to pray? We don't have time to read or study the scriptures. But how many of us who have said that also spend several hours every week watching TV, reading the newspaper, searching the internet, or studying other materials. So when we do those things, are we seeking God's kingdom first as our number one priority? So is it that we don't have time to pray, that we don't have time to read and study the scriptures, or is it that we just need to change our focus and get our priorities straight? See, these questions are not meant to condemn us, but to challenge us, to challenge all of us to do better. How different could the world be if God's people were laser-focused on the kingdom of God? If we did what Jesus says, we, sought, or we seek his kingdom first, seek his righteousness first. If we spent more time saturating ourselves with the scriptures, more time in prayer, more time seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. When we read the book of Acts, we see what kingdom-focused Christians look like and the effect they had on the world around them. The early church had their only focus, sorry, the only focus of the early church was seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Their only focus was to know Christ and to make him known. Their only focus was living and spreading the kingdom of God. And what was the result? Well, listen to what their enemies said about them in Acts 17, 6. They said, these people have turned the world upside down. Something that started with 12 fishermen, well, not 12 fishermen, but 12 disciples, fishermen, all these different things. Something that started with them ended up turning the world upside down. How did this happen? Well, the early church was laser-focused on the kingdom of God, laser-focused on living what Christ told us to live, obeying Christ's commands and teaching others to do the same. And I often hear people say, we want the power that the early church had. You guys have heard this before. Why don't we have the power? I'd love to have the power that they had. Do we really want the power that the early church had? A lot of us will say yes. But here's a much tougher question. Are we willing to do what they did to get that power? Are we willing to go all in, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all else like they did? See, we'll never have God's power like they did until we make God's kingdom our top priority like they did. Are we willing to do that? Well, the first step to doing that is to stop worrying about and wasting our time on the frivolities of this world and to focus on the world to come. Now, is all this too much for Sunday morning? So we need to stop worrying about the things of this world. Start living as, as if we actually believe that we serve a king that is the king of kings. We serve a king whose kingdom is going to take over the entire world one day. Stop worrying about the countless distractions our unsaved neighbors are consumed with. And we need to stay focused on eternity. Not only our eternity, but the eternity of the rest of the world. That's amen from the dog. <laughs> it's time we wake up from our slumber and start sinking, seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. It's time that sinking, I want to say sinking, sinking the kingdom of God. I think we've been doing that for a lot of time, but no. seeking the kingdom of God, it's time that seeking the kingdom of God and living righteous lives becomes our number one priority. It's time to obey the commands of King Jesus. Don't worry about your needs. Don't, sorry, don't worry about your needs. Do seek the kingdom of God first. And finally, don't worry about the future. So Matthew 6.34, Jesus concludes his teaching about worry with this command. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So since our lives are more than food, drink, and clothing, since we can be sure we, when we seek God's kingdom and righteousness first that God will give us everything we need, he'll give us the food, drink, and clothing we need, well, since those things are true, then we never need to worry about tomorrow. We've just got to focus on the seeking the kingdom of God today. Seek the righteousness of God today. See, if we spend today focused on obeying Jesus, well, God will see to it that everything works out for us. It will work out for us like it's supposed to. You know, worrying does us no good. Think about the question Jesus asked in Matthew 6, 27. He, he asked, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? 
Well, can we? Do we add any time to our lives when we worry about things? Can we add any time to our lives by worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, the obvious answer is no. What good does worrying about our future do for us? Does us no good at all. So let's not worry about the future. Let's focus on obeying Christ's commands today. And let's leave tomorrow in the hands of our Heavenly Father. See, we worry about tomorrow because we don't trust God. And that's, this is another tough little jab for this morning. We worry about tomorrow because we don't trust God. So we need to learn to trust God. Leave tomorrow in His hands and just focus on living for God today. God will go before us and make all the necessary preparations to meet our needs for tomorrow. So let's remember what the psalmist says about this in Psalm 139, 13 through 18. He says to the Lord, it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And this is an amazing verse here. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of, and the, the translations here, it says, in the depths of the earth, but what he's talking about is his mother's womb. I was formed in the depths of my mother's womb. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. And then listen to this amazing verse. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. So what this shows us again is the great care our loving Father has for His children. He knits us together. He forms us in our mother's womb. He's involved in the details of our lives. And the God who knows the end from the beginning, He plans out every day of our lives before we ever live one of them. I mean, that's just incredible power. It's an incredible God that we serve. He knows exactly what we need for each day of our lives and he promises he'll be there to supply those needs. He's more than capable, more than able to supply our needs. So don't worry about the future. Now, it's important we understand that when Jesus says, don't worry, this does not mean our lives are going to be carefree in this world. It's not like that Bobby McFerrin song, right? Don't worry, be happy. That's not what he's talking about. That's not A lot of people don't even know what that song is. Right? You remember that song? What was it, like 1989 or something like that it came out? Anyway, and here's a fun fact about that song. That was the first song ever that was a cappella to become number one. The first a cappella song to become number one. I don't know why that's in my mind, but it, it is. It, it, it's an a cappella song. He did all that stuff with it on his body, making those sounds. Anyway, he was the first pentatonics. Anyway, so Jesus is not saying, Jesus is not saying we will not have any troubles. Now we need to live each day with an awareness of what Jesus says at the end of Matthew six thirty four. Jesus says, each day has enough trouble of its own. So when Jesus tells us not to worry, he's not saying you're going to have a trouble-free life, a carefree life. No, in this world, we will have trouble. Jesus told that to his disciples. Those who seek the kingdom of God and seek to live a righteous life in an unrighteous and an ungodly world will always face temptation, tribulation, persecution, and other trials and troubles. And if we sit around and start to wonder how we're going to live right in this world long term or what this world is going to be like for our children, well, then we can become very discouraged. So Jesus tells us, just focus on living right for today. 
Focus on obeying Christ's commands today. And no matter what trouble today brings, our Heavenly Father will supply both our physical and our spiritual needs so that we can be more than conquerors through Him who loves us and overcome our troubles in this world through God's grace. Now, as we close, we saw today that Jesus commands us not to worry about our needs. Why? Because there's more to our lives and bodies, more to our lives than food and clothing. Our Heavenly Father knows we need those things, and He promises to supply those needs for us, just like He supplies the needs of the rest of creation. He cares much more for us than He does for the rest of creation, so we don't have to worry about our needs. God does not want us to focus on our needs in this world. Instead, God wants us to focus on seeking His kingdom and His righteousness and worried about the, not worried is not the right word, thinking about the things to come, the world to come, focused on that. And we do that by seeking to obey all the commands of King Jesus. And Jesus also commands us not to worry about the future because our future is in God's hands. Because in this world, we have enough trouble to deal with one day at a time. So many of us spend our lives in two places we really don't have any control over. We live in the past, and we try to live in the future. But all we really have control over is how we live for today. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Just live for today and leave the rest in God's hands. So let's obey the commands of Jesus. Don't worry about your needs. Do seek God's kingdom first, and don't worry about the future. Don't worry. Be happy. No, I'm just kidding. Let's all stand for prayer. Let's all Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your promises. Thank you for reminding us that we don't need to worry about our needs. If we'll just seek your kingdom and seek to live righteous lives today, then you'll take care of the rest. Lord, help us always remember all our days are in your hands, that you'll always take care of your children. You are a loving, caring, heavenly Father, and help us just to trust in you through all of it. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. So they're going to sing a final song. Uh, as they do that, I want to invite you all, if you, if you want to pray about anything, you're welcome to come forward. If uh, people will be up here to pray with you, if you want them to pray with you about anything at all, uh, you want to, if you're sick or whatever, people will be uh, up here available to pray. You're also welcome to come and pray by yourself. Um, if you have a question about something I've said today, you don't know who God is, you don't know who the Lord Jesus is, you want to know more about that, then come see me after, after the service. I'd like to talk to you about any of those things. So they're going to sing the final song. Before they do that, I'm going to speak the Lord's prayer, uh, Lord's prayer, Lord's blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Magnificent Holy Father, I stand in awe of I see, of all the things you have created, and still you choose to think of me.
stand before you at this altar so many have given you more I may not have much I can offer yet what I have is truly yours this is my This is my offering to you, God, and I will give you my life, for it's all I have to give, because you gave your life for me. This is my offering to
Bro.